welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Good to be with you all again this morning. We're going to be continuing our series in John, and today we're going to be thinking about what we see. So let's do a quick survey in the chat online, if you're there or here in the room. How many of you are the lucky ones and you can see perfectly? You don't need glasses or contacts. Yeah, there's a few few hands going up. Um, and how many of you are more like me? You need to wear something to help you see all the time. <laughs> and I'm guessing that some of you, the rest of you are in between. For a lot of us, we don't think about our vision that much from day to day. But that wasn't the case for the man that we're going to read about in today's story, because he had never seen anything before he met Jesus. But you know, when we talk about seeing, we can also be talking about how we interpret and how we act on what we see. For example, when I walk into my children's rooms, I often see a lot of things which they don't seem to see, even though there's apparently nothing wrong with their eyes. I see the drawers left open, the clothes on the floor, dust on the shelf, clutter on the desk. They say, it looks like a clean room to me. So sometimes there is conflict in our house as I try to bring them around to seeing a bit more accurately. Because obviously I can't actually expect them to pick up something that they don't even see. I'm hoping their seeing is going to lead to action. Well, in today's story, there's also a conflict. Because although everyone in this story sees Jesus, they view him and they respond to him very differently. So I'd like to invite some people up who are going to help us with the reading this morning. There's quite a lot of dialogue in this story, so we're going to read it with different voices. Just a bit of an experiment. Hopefully it's going to work. So, we good? All right. We're going to be reading from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am the, in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, Jesus spat on the ground made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? Well, the man they called Jesus made some mud, he put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went, and I washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? I don't know. They, 
they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is, he, we know he is our son and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, the Pharisees summoned the man who had been blind. Glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I've told you already, didn't you listen? Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Now that is remarkable. <laughs> you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Thank you, guys. I love this story. It's so full of drama, and this helps us get a little glimpse of what it might have been like. There's so much irony, passing comments, which are designed to get our attention, and it's also designed to help us discover something life-changing about Jesus. So today I'd like us to just spend a few minutes looking at this story, focusing in on some of these characters and their encounters with Jesus. So we're going to look at Jesus and the disciples, Jesus and the man, the man who was formerly blind, and Jesus and the Pharisees. Now Jesus is obviously the main character, right? He isn't directly present in every scene of the story, but the whole story 
revolves around him. And he gives us a big clue in the beginning of the passage about what we're supposed to see in his, about, learn about his identity. In verse 5, he says, I am the light of the world. And then he heals not just any blind man, but a man who was born blind. So identifying himself as the light of the world and miraculously healing this blind man, they actually point to his identity. He's saying, I am the Messiah. That's the savior that was promised to the Jewish people for hundreds of years before. In fact, um, one passage is in Isaiah 42. It was written about 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and it speaks about him as the promised one. It says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will make you a light for the Gentiles to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. So Jesus was claiming, yes, here I am. I am the light, and he's the healer of eye problems. We see him revealed as both of those things. And by the way, those are the things you need to be able to see. You need at least a little bit of light, and your eyes need to be able to process that light and make sense of it. So Jesus reveals to us things we couldn't see before, turns the lights on, and he invites us to take that new revelation forward to belief and to action. And that's what he did with the characters in this story. So let's start with Jesus and the disciples. Jesus invited his disciples to look for and to participate in God's work. Now, our story starts out by saying that Jesus went along and he saw a man who was blind from birth. He saw him, he noticed him. And actually, his disciples noticed him too. So let's give them credit for that because uh, I don't know about you, but there are definitely times where God has to go to great lengths to get my attention and show me something that he's doing and he wants me to see. But so the disciples got the first part right. They saw the man and they even talked to Jesus about him. Um, and they give us some insight into some cultural things we could have missed by the question they ask. They say, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And the Pharisees also made a comment later on that kind of give us the idea that almost everyone would have viewed this man as being under a curse. Maybe his mother, when she was pregnant, she went and worshiped at a pagan temple. You know, people would assume these things. Who knows? Most people would have looked down on him and his parents because he was born with, the, with not having the ability to see. So it's good that the disciples talk to Jesus, right? Because he corrects their false assumptions about this man and his family. Because the Bible teaches that sin and suffering, or that sin causes suffering in general in our world, but it doesn't allow us to come to this conclusion that an individual's personal suffering is always a result of someone's sin. Sometimes it is. But sometimes it isn't, as in this case. So, but what I think is really interesting, did you notice how Jesus redirects his disciples' attention away from this past-looking question? What happened? Why? And he says, the more important thing is actually how God wants to reveal himself to this man today. 
Jesus didn't just see a man born blind. He saw a man who had the potential to know and to glorify God and to experience his transformation. He, didn't, he saw the man who was born blind, and he saw an opportunity to express God's compassion for all who suffer. Nearly 12 years ago, this man, Tom Little, a, he was a Christian optometrist. I knew him personally. Um, he was killed uh, by the Taliban, shot dead, along with nine other members of a Christian-sponsored eye care team um, in a remote region of Afghanistan. And Tom and his wife Libby spent 30 years in Afghanistan, living through multiple regime changes, and at times raising their three daughters in a war zone. Once when they, they helped thousands of people who had no eye care whatsoever to regain their sight, and they trained people to continue that work. And once when they were asked why and how they were serving in such difficult conditions, Libby said, Jesus, whom I follow, cares about people's eyes. Tom and Libby served out of love for Jesus, and their love for Jesus spurred them to do what they could to relieve the suffering of people that they encountered. You know, there's no easy way to make sense of suffering. Our faith points us toward that day in the future when God will right every wrong, and we will live with him in a world free from sin and suffering. But right here and right now, suffering is an invitation for the people of God to act and to work the works of God. Our God is present with us when we suffer. And he gives us, as his disciples, the privilege of bringing his presence into situations of suffering and need. Prayer is doing something. Let's not think prayer is not doing something. Prayer is doing something, and it's something we can nearly always do. But often we will have more opportunities if our eyes are open to see them. And that's what Jesus was challenging his disciples with. Eyes open to pray with someone, to ask God for healing, to meet the needs that God gives us the ability to meet, and always to see the person, and to see the person with eyes of love and compassion, because that's an expression of the kingdom of God, and that's the kingdom we belong to. So in the face of suffering and need, Jesus invited, and he still invites, his disciples to look for and to participate in God's work. Now, Jesus and the man. Let's think about him for a little while. Jesus healed this man's blindness, completely transforming his life. So if you don't mind, let's just imagine for a minute. If you want to close your eyes, you can. Um, but I'm going to read you something that's a poem of, in his voice, this man's voice, about perhaps what it was like. Imagine... I'd never seen light or colors, never glimpsed the sea sparkling through the hills or studied my own mother's face. I was born without sight, cursed, guilty before my first breath, 
given handouts dished up with pity, every day dark. Then, without warning, came that day, the day everything changed. The man they called Jesus, did I overhear correctly? Did he say my blindness wasn't my fault? Before I had time to take in this shocking possibility, I heard someone spit. Reflexively, I hardened myself against the harsh words to come, but there were none. Instead, I felt a gentle touch, my eyes anointed with mud, and he said to me, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He sent me there, so I went, I washed, and I saw. I saw for the first time ever. I still can hardly believe it. I never imagined this could happen to me. I can see. I was blind, but now I see. When I couldn't see him, Jesus saw me, gave me sight, dignity, a whole new life. No more guilt, no more shame, no more darkness. Instead, hope, dawning clear and bright, like the sunrise I saw this morning with the eyes he gave me. Some of us have stories like that blind man. We met Jesus, and whether it was in one day or over a period of time, sooner or later, we realized that the transformation we'd experienced was like going from dark to light, from dead to alive, from lost to found. And like this man, our neighbors and friends and family could tell something was amazingly different about us. Maybe we faced conflict and rejection along the way, just like this man did. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, we read, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. It took the man in our story a little while himself to figure out all of what had happened to him. But by the end of the story, we see him responding to Jesus personally, putting his trust in him and giving him his worship. You know, I don't have a dramatic story, actually, of what, me what meeting Jesus one day did for me, because I've walked with Jesus for as long as I can remember. But I have lots of everyday stories, because actually healing and Jesus encounters and worship are not just for once in our lives. There are those moments, those once in our lives moments, but they're not just for once in our life. They are meant to be part of our ongoing journey with Jesus. A few weeks ago, I was really struggling. I was feeling quite alone and insecure and sad, and having to self-isolate with COVID didn't help anything either. But over that period, Jesus spoke light into my darkness through Psalm 23 in a very personal way. I knew the words. I've known the words since I was a kid. <laughs> But Jesus spoke them into my heart and brought healing and hope like he has so many times before. And my heart responded in worship to him all over again. Today, some of us know that we need that healing. 
Maybe we're meeting Jesus for the first time in our lives and we want to say yes to the new life that he offers. Or maybe today we're just aware of an area of our life where we need healing or hope or God's perspective. Jesus invites us to bring that before him, to let him touch us and heal us, just as he did the man in the story. So just to recap, Jesus challenged his disciples to look for and do God's work when they face suffering. He met the man who was blind and gave him sight, totally transforming his life. The final characters we're going to look at are Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees stayed blind to the truth. It wasn't just the man born blind who was blind in this story. The Pharisees were meant to be the spiritual guides showing other people the way to God, but they were so caught up in the rituals, in the laws, in their own status in society, they couldn't see the Son of God right in front of their eyes. Jesus didn't follow all those religious rules as they understood them. That's what that, that talk about keeping the Sabbath was about. So they concluded that he, not they, must be wrong, in spite of the evidence against their view. Their plot, pride, was like a blindfold, blocking the light of the world from entering their hearts. And not only did they not get on board with God's work, as Jesus was encouraging his disciples to do, they actually ended up opposing it, throwing out the man that they should have been celebrating with. It's pretty scary, because I would like to think I'm nothing like them, but sometimes I am like them. Like on those days when I'm so busy doing stuff for God that I've lost that intimate connection with Jesus or the times that I confidently know what God thinks about something tricky because I know the Bible so well, and I forget that I'm not actually God. Or most scary of all, those times when I may technically be right, but I'm so busy being right that I miss or even hinder something much bigger that God is doing. We often fall into the trap that thinking and knowing about God or doing stuff for God or even being able to handle the Christian life on our own means that we're mature. But true maturity, true spiritual growth shows up in a greater awareness of our need for God and our dependence on him for everything. Now, in today's story, there was not a happy ending for the Pharisees. But there is an invitation for us to experience a different ending, to be like the blind man who was healed, to live from a place of actual connection with God, not just knowledge about him, to lay down our own rightness and welcome his transformational work in our lives, whether it's for the first time or for the thousandth time. So as we come to a time of response today, I wonder what God's invitation is to you. 
Did you identify with the disciples? Maybe you're walking with Jesus, but you long to live your every day in more constant dialogue with him. Hearing his voice, seeing what he's doing, and knowing how he's inviting you to work along with him as an agent of his compassion. You know what? Jesus is very excited about having that conversation with you. And I encourage you to take the time to share your heart with him and listen for his response. If you feel burdened by suffering and need, whether it's your own or someone else's, God invites us to come and pour out our hearts to him. He is compassionate toward us also. In the midst of our questions, in the midst of our burdens. Perhaps you identify with the blind man. You are clearly aware of your need for God and you want Jesus to heal you and to save you. And you know, the invitation for the Pharisees is the same. Perhaps you've been more like a Pharisee, thinking you're sorted. But today, God's convicting you, and you've gotten just a glimpse of maybe how much brokenness there is in there, how much your own pride or your own independence is keeping you from the full newness of life with Jesus that you're longing for. The invitation for healing and for light is available to everyone who knows they need it. So whether it's your first time or your thousandth time, Jesus stands ready to come in with all his love and compassion and respond to us and our need. You can tell him in your own words, Jesus, I need you. I can't fix myself, but I thank you for seeing me and loving me. I invite you in and turn my life over to you. I say yes to the good work that you want to do in my life. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.